The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Hill knows that when we eat well, we live well. When we live well, we have rich, vibrant lives. By focusing our eating on properly prepared, nutrient-dense whole foods, Kelly Hill teaches us how easy eating well and living well can be. Now here's your host, Kelly Hill. Welcome to Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. I'm your host, Kelly Hill. One of the most interesting facets of being in the health professional field is in identifying the lens through which other people see you. And and when I say that, I mean in the way they see me. Uh, Frequently, when people meet me for the first time, they assume that healthy eating is a vegetarian or vegan diet. In fact, I've listened to so many people tell me things like, I don't eat anything with a face or a mother, or I eat healthy, lots of tofu and soybeans. If you've been following me for any time at all, you probably know that those types of statements are going to send me into an educational frenzy. If you are a new listener to the show, I've written some fun articles about these topics and feel we really need to redefine how we connect with our foods. Many years ago, I I think it was in a continuing education class I was taking, one of the books on the recommended reading list was The Vegetarian Myth by Lear Keith. I picked it up and took it with me on a family camping trip, actually, and I I couldn't put the book down. What was amazing to me was here was someone who knew from personal experience what rhetoric was being championed by people. She knew because she had spent 20 years as a vegan. She was offering me insight into these myths that people keep perpetuating and with thorough research explained why it really was a myth and not real. The book breaks down the different types of plant-based eaters, those that choose the diet for moral, political, and nutritional reasons, and basically explains why their thought processes are misplaced. Now, I don't go out looking for ways to poke holes in people's food choices, but there was a ton of ammunition for me to use to talk to people on their own level, within their own mindset, to help them see why these diets aren't going to feed the hungry, honor the animals, or save the planet. The Vegetarian Myth is one of the books I use as a resource, really probably the most, and it's one of the books I recommend people purchase. It's part memoir, part nutritional primer, and part political manifesto. The Vegetarian Myth will challenge everything you thought you knew about food politics. Knowledge really is power, and it's best to learn from someone who has been there and done that. So with that in mind, I asked Lier Keith to join us on the show today. Lier is a writer, small farmer, and radical feminist activist. She's the author of six books, including the one I mentioned previously, The Vegetarian Myth, Food Justice and Sustainability, which has been called, and I quote, the most important ecological book of this generation. She's also co-author with Derek Jensen and Eric McBay of Deep Green Resistance, Strategy to Save the Planet. And she's been arrested six times for acts of political resistance. Thank you so much for joining us today on Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. Well, thanks for that incredible introduction. I'm very touched that um, you think so highly of my book. I love it. It just I and I I I don't know how many times I've told people to to purchase it because it it really is 
incredible to get into the mind of somebody and understand what they're thinking. I mean, that's what, that's what we need to do to be able to make a change is understand. I don't really want to say the opposition, but to some extent, it is a little, a little bit of a, an, uh, an opposition. So it's, it's good to know that before you start your own personal rhetoric. So let's start with your background. You were, a, a, is it a vegan or a vegetarian for over 20 years? I was never a vegetarian. I went right for be- vegan, and that was, I, I went the whole way. So I was a vegan. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What, what made you choose a vegan diet? You know, I think it's the reasons that most people choose that diet is I, I met somebody who was a vegan. Um, I was 16 years old, very impassioned about the state of the world. Um, I'm somebody who has always seen injustice and wanted to do something about it. I mean, ever since I was a small child, um, I, you know, I was born in 1964, so I, my, my earliest years were the 60s, and I still remember some of the main events of that era. So that was sort of, you know, my formative environment was very much about seeing injustice, trying to do something about it, knowing that you had a responsibility to make the world better. And, you know, that's still the motivating ethic of my life. But at 16, you know, I grew up in a very urban environment. I had no idea where my food came from. So when I met another another, you know, impassioned young teenage vegan, and she had all this information. I mean, I was just a sponge. I soaked it mm-hmm. in, and it seemed obvious that was the thing to do. The problem was it's only, in, it's incomplete information. It wasn't yeah. the full picture of what's wrong and why that diet isn't going to do any of the things that are promised. Um, I, I mean, I will, absolutely everybody should understand what factory farming is and how horrible it is on every level. That is something we can all agree on. But, you know, the, the, um, the solutions that she was offering me did not address in any way the full scale of the problem. But I didn't know better at 16, so I embraced it immediately. Within two weeks, I was a vegan, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> and so how did, you find, how did you get to the point where you realized that the vegan diet wasn't going to be the healthiest choice? Oh, gosh. You know, by the time I had been doing this for 20 years, my health had collapsed completely. Um, at that point, it was pretty much life or death, but I did permanent damage to my body, and there's a lot of us out here who can say that now. There's a whole generation of people who tried this diet and tried it very thoroughly, very completely. We were true believers, and we ended up damaged, and that was the reason that I wrote this book and that I you know, try to get the word out is I don't want the next generation of idealistic, impassioned young people to do the same thing to themselves. You don't need to hurt yourself to be a good person and to try to fix what's wrong on this planet. Um, you are being led down, you know, the garden path with this. It, it's not actually a solution. Um, but, I, you know, again, I didn't know that. And so I'm trying to reach the people who have been pulled into that world for, for the best of all possible reasons. I want them to understand that this is not a solution and that in the end you will only damage your body if you do this long term. So that was why I gave it up was, you know, I ended up with a whole range of permanent things wrong with me. Um, and, you know, at the end, I, I just had to admit that it had failed me. If you're just joining us today on Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill, we're discussing the health implications of a plant-based diet with Lier Keith, author of The Vegetarian Myth. Find more information at LierKeith.com. Remember to enter to win this month's giveaway for another one of my favorite products, the Squatty Potty. Enter to win at TheRightNutritionPlan.com. Use the giveaway links on the right-hand side. While you're on the website, don't forget to sign up for free weekly nutrition tips. Uh, so I have to be honest, your information 
really helped me very early on in my practice because some of the things that you were talking about as the health implications jumped out immediately to me with some of my clients that happened to be vegan and or I would come across them. Actually, one of my very first vegan clients I, I met at a, a like a Christmas holiday bazaar or something and and she started talking to me about, you know, what do you do? What are you, you know, we're chatting along and she's telling me all her health implications. I said, are you a vegan? And she said, yes, I am. I said, well, there's your problem. Right. <laughs> um, and so I think that that, um, you know, unbeknownst maybe sometimes to you, the information that you've put out there I think has helped tons of other people just because we've absorbed it and, and better understand it. And one of the most amazing parts to me is then you ultimately became a farmer and, and still are a farmer, correct? Yeah, I um, I have five acres of land and I have various animals and plants here that are part of the life cycle that I eat and eventually they'll eat me. So, yeah, well, you know, I wanted to be a part of it all. It felt like a very important thing for me to do spiritually, emotionally, politically, kind of on every level. I wanted to be involved with where my food came from. And when I had tried that as a vegan, it was, of course, a complete failure because soil and plants need dead animals. That's what they eat. Right. And it was a really, really hard thing to have to face as a vegan, you know, that I was going to have to feed the soil what it needed and that there wasn't any way out of that cycle. You know, I wanted it to be possible, but I didn't understand what plants ate. I had no idea they ate at all. <laughs> so it was a horrible shock to realize that I had to give the soil things like manure or bone meal or blood meal in order to replace the minerals that I was taking out, you know, in order to have healthy soil um, and a lot of people dig in their heels right there and resist, but they kill the soil, you know, in response. And then the food that you that you get out of such gardens, it's just severely lacking in all, especially the minerals that should be there. Um, and I also realized early on, you know, that if I was going to garden as a vegan, there was this serious problem of what to do with things like insects and mammals and birds that I was in competition with over that plot of land. And... It was really hard, especially the slugs. And I write about this in the book, and it's one of those moments people remember because I had such a terrible, terrible moral collapse, really, over what to do with the slugs. I kept replanting. They kept eating. I kept replanting. They destroyed everything every single night. This went on for two or three weeks. And I finally had to give up and just realize that if I wanted that stuff, there wasn't any way, you know, the slugs wanted it too. You know, all the other animals and insects are animals and, you know, mollusks, whatever they are, they want what I'm trying to grow. We are in competition. And at some point I had to recognize that there was going to be death involved in that lettuce. If I was going to eat it, it means the slugs couldn't. And I was going to have to kill them or repel them in some way. It was really hard. And that was how I ended up getting chickens was, and ducks was I thought, well, I won't do it. I'll get another animal to do it for me. And chickens and ducks are very happy to eat slugs for me, but... You know, I'm just shifting the responsibility there. You know, the slugs have to die for me to get that lettuce. Right. So it, these are terrible moments when you think that your life is possible without death. When you're faced with the reality of it, um, you know, there's this, there is this moral collapse that comes with it. You, you just, what universe am I living in that I can't make this life be possible without death? It was really hard on me. So anyway, I wanted to participate. I also knew it's, you know, the best way to make your carbon footprint smaller and I just wanted to experience it all and to see how can this be done sustainably. And there was no way to do it as a vegan. I mean, everywhere I turned, there was just more death involved. 
So you can embrace that and do it well, or you can try to refuse it. But at that point, you're just killing the life cycle. You know, you're trying to get out of it, but there is no way out of it. So those are really our options. Well, and you wrote it as a very simple truth from my perspective. For someone to live, someone else has to die. Yeah, and I really, you know, that should have been the basis of my spiritual education, my political education, my emotional education as somebody who was going to be a humble participant in this cosmos, in this process called life. I really should have been told that as a child and we live in a culture that's really broken, that's really fractured. Nobody had that information to give me. It wasn't like they were withholding it, but you know, that in my family that information was broken a long time ago. I mean, we've been living in urban environments for generations now. Nobody knew the truth of that. There was nobody to teach me. And I feel like that's right there is everything that's wrong with this culture. Like that's something so basic can't be passed on to the young. I mean, I should have been grappling with that when I was young and and given a way to make sense of it and to do it in a good way and in a humble way and in a way that's sacred. But I was not given that. So I had to figure it out. And it took me 20 years and I think many people are still struggling with that. Uh, we're hearing from Lier Keith, author of The Vegetarian Myth. You can get more information at LierKeith.com. On our website, you'll find not only her published work, but also her unpublished works as well. You can also see where she'll be appearing in order to attend a lecture and some of her favorite resource links. All this information is LierKeith.com. Feel free to connect with me on Twitter or Facebook at The Right Plan or email me at EatWellToLiveWell at The Right Plan. Don't forget, you can catch this entire episode uh, at your convenience by downloading the free MP3 from iTunes or listening on my website, therightnutritionplan.com, where you can also become a member for only a dollar and receive nutrition coaching through weekly videos, recipes, articles, forums, as well as Q&A support, or just sign up to receive free weekly nutrition tips. We'll be right back to continue this discussion regarding plant-based diet fallacies. You're listening to Eat Well to Live Well with me, your host, Kelly Hill. Want energy all day? Ready to lose fat without feeling deprived? Tired of complicated weight loss programs? Wish there was a way to lose weight without processed and unnatural food? It's time to jumpstart your metabolism in a healthy way, the Kelly Hill way. This easy-to-follow two-week fat loss program has a 100% success rate to date. It creates and maintains overall health while reducing fat. You'll have more energy, think clearer, feel better, and have lost fat. All while following the two-week menu plan of simple recipes that use real, natural food and include healthy tips for every meal. The two-week fat loss program is a clear, easy-to-follow plan that will help anyone get back on the road to optimal health. Order the Right Plan Nutritional Counseling two-week fat loss program today at therightnutritionplan.com slash book. Cleanse and detoxify your body. 28 Days to Better Health Using Nutrient-Dense Whole Foods is the hot new book written by Kelly Hill. We're inundated daily with toxic compounds in our food, water, air, even our own metabolic process. In this new book, Kelly leads us on that 28-day journey to better health using real, natural food. Experience with over 60 recipes to choose from. This is a cleanse that won't leave you bored. And while your taste buds are happy, you'll benefit from increased energy levels, an improved digestive system, a decrease in food sensitivities and cravings, minimizing aches, pains, and allergies. 
Begin your 28-day journey to better health and nutrition today by ordering your copy of Cleanse and Detoxify Your Body at therightnutritionplan.com slash book. Everything has a purpose and a plan. Make it your purpose and the right plan. Rightplannutrition.com slash book. Better than an apple a day? An online membership to The Right Plan. With an on-the-go lifestyle, it can be hard to make our nutrition a priority. Kelly Hill was there. That's why The Right Plan Nutrition online membership was formed. Over the years, Kelly's worked on solutions that can make health and nutrition decisions easier, saving time and money. Find hundreds of fun, fast, exciting, healthy recipes for the family that everyone will love. A new recipe with video tutorial each month so you fully understand how to make what are sure to become your family's favorite foods. Great research on biased articles on nutrition, encouragement through the success stories of others, weekly support emails to help you continue reaching your goals, and so much more. Membership has its benefits. And with the Right Play Nutrition Online membership, the benefit is more time to spend with a healthier you and healthier family. Become a member today at therightnutritionplan.com slash membership. Everything has a purpose and a plan. Make it your purpose and right plan. RightNutritionPlan.com You're listening to Eat Well to Live Well with your host, Kelly Hill. If you have a question for Kelly, you can email her at EatWellToLiveWell at TheRightNutritionPlan.com. Now let's get back to Kelly Hill. Welcome back as we continue at Eat Well to Live Well. I'm your host, Kelly Hill. Today, we've been talking with Lierre Keith, author of The Vegetarian Myth. You can find more information at LierreKeith.com. Follow her on Facebook or Twitter at Lierre Keith. And we were just talking about uh, this concept that someone has to, something has to live. For someone to live, someone else or something else has to die. And I think it, it's a very hard for people to accept this concept. A concept, and, and I'm assuming you must receive a great deal of pushback from those ingrained in a philosophy that's very different than yours. I do, and you know, there's some people. It's it's not really worth the fight. You know, they come at me with so much abuse that I'm not going to get through. And those ones, you just you just don't bother. But I honestly, I get a lot of uh, emails and letters, and even just personal con, you know, personal connection when I'm traveling with people who are very confused about this, very upset. Um, it's, it is very ethically challenging, you know, when, when you take up one set of beliefs and then they start to fail you or you start to absorb new information. This is not an easy process. And I, I try to take this seriously every time somebody comes to me with, you know, these, these quandaries and they're in a lot of pain. There's no question. Um, and, I, you know, I always try to be very clear that the underlying ethic um, underneath the vegetarian or the vegan worldview, that ethic is not the problem, right? So justice and compassion and sustainability, those are the only values that are going to get us to the world that we need. The question is, what are the best behaviors that get us to that world? And what's the best way to organize our society to get us to that world? And the problem is that the vegetarian way is not actually addressing the real problem. And it's in many ways kind of, you know, you, you're setting yourself aside hoping that none of this is true and not really dealing with the facts on the ground of where food comes from, what plants eat, what animals eat, and what our place is as human beings in that cycle. Um, so, yes, I have some very um, heart-wrenching conversations with some very people who care a lot and who 
want they want to do the right thing. So, and you know, they've only absorbed one one small set of facts, which is that vegetarian worldview. So, I come at them with a whole different set of facts and that is very challenging. And the best people keep going in their search. You know, they were motivated by this ethic. They realize there's more information and they pick up their courage and they try again. That is not an easy thing to do. And, you know, I'll, I, I have nothing but respect for people who continue. You know, the problem is it becomes so ideological that it's often hard to have those discussions. But I will give anybody at least one chance, you know. And a lot of times they'll come back six months or a year later and say, you know, you completely changed my life, my diet, I feel so much better, you know, so many health problems have been resolved, and now they're learning about the biological world in a whole bigger way because they let themselves be open to the information. Oh, and that's so great. I, I know that locally here many years ago that Forks Over Knives movie came out, and right. they asked if I would be one of the presenters. And I asked, I said, why, you need somebody to throw rocks at? Because, you know, <laughs> we're not, we're not going to see eye to eye. And, and that was actually kind of one of the things somebody said. They said, you know, we need to hear all sides, and, and we want you to be there. And I'd never seen the movie. I, it's, you know, just hadn't. And it was interesting to sit in that audience and watch it with a lot of true believers of the vegetarian diet or vegan diet even too and and i i agreed with the movie all the way up to about the last 15 minutes and that's when it got you know all of a sudden like in two seconds they're saying oh well we could feed so many with all this grain if the cows weren't eating i'm like whoa time out let's not why are why are our cows eating grain Right. We are already, you're starting with some very basic philosophical incorrect ideas, and now you're basing a whole diet around those. And uh, it was very interesting because it was the first time I'd really had a chance to, to see what they were seeing and, and hear what they were hearing. So it was very, uh, very interesting. I was very thankful, again, that I had read your book, so I kind of had this this idea going into it, what I was going to see. Um, and there, it, you're right. There's a, it's a very uh, deep, but once you start really researching it, it it's not that complicated. It, it may be heart-wrenching, but it's not particularly complicated. Well, I think of myself as kind of the first line, you know, like the first, you know, sort of the first responder on the scene. And it, it's going to, nobody changes their mind in five minutes. No. You know? And also this can't be done in a soundbite. You know, often these conversations can go on for an hour or two um, and people have to go away and think about it, especially when it's such a different perspective and a different set of facts and they have to grapple with it and they'll come back, you know, a few months later and ask more questions or they'll do more reading. I'll send them a reading list. And then, you know, a year later, the transformation has happened and indeed they've opened up to more information. But that is not easy. And part of the problem with being a vegan is that it's not just what you eat. It becomes who you are. Mm-hmm. And the moment you've turned it into an identity, any of the facts that, you know, oppose what you think is true, it feels like an assault against yourself. So you're not just grappling with new information. You're actually having to redo your sense of who you are. And that is a really hard thing to do. And it sounds scary almost to think about. Just that was about terrifying. That. Yeah, I mean, it's the, it was one of the hardest days of my life, the day that I, you know, ate that first bite of tuna fish after 20 years. Well, you write about the different reasons people choose uh, a vegetarian or vegan lifestyle. And I'd kind of like to cover that so listeners understand some of the reasons people are drawn to these diets. So can you explain what you termed moral vegetarians? Right. So these are people who believe that it's possible 
to get your sustenance without harm to any other sentient beings. And what this means is you're not seeing the full cycle of life. There is no way to grow apples, for instance, without dead animals involved on, on so many different levels. I mean, like I said earlier, the soil itself needs to eat dead animals. Um, the trees themselves need a very dense um, source of minerals. This is true for all fruit. They're what are called heavy feeders in terms of minerals. And where they're going to get that is bones and blood. Um, otherwise, you're just going to use up the soil. Um, you know, it may take 50 years. It may take 100 years. At some point, there will be no more minerals left in that soil because the fruit is using it all. Um, I mean, I've seen this even with strawberries. You know, I had strawberries that were small and misshapen and kind of lumpy and weird looking. And it turned out that was a boron deficiency in the soil. So I added boron and wow, I had the biggest berries I'd ever seen. They're absolutely yeah. gorgeous. But, you know, where are you going to get that? I mean, that's, that's where it comes from, you know. Um, so th- that's, there's a whole, I, there's this whole idea that somehow, you know, apples are, or whatever, you know, pick your fruit, pick your vegetable, but that somehow this just sort of falls out of the sky and that there's no cost. And that's not true. There's a cycle involved here that's about plants and animals eating each other, cycling those minerals and all those nutrients through the soil, ultimately acted on by, you know, these tiny little microorganisms, mostly bacteria that we can't see. You know, 95% of all um, terrestrial life lives in the soil. 95%. Wow, I I didn't realize that. It's amazing. Yeah, that is the most dense habitat on the planet is soil. Um, And they are the ones that do everything to keep this planet alive. I mean, we are like the decoration on an icing flower on a birthday cake. You know what I mean? Like, we do not even begin to count as people who do anything useful on this planet. It's those tiny little microorganisms that do all that work. And, you know, they are the ones who actually recycle those um, nutrients and make it available to plants and then to animals and then back around. So if you're eating an apple or whatever... All of that is dependent on the work of those little tiny creatures, some of whom are animals, some of whom aren't. But, um, you know, their lives and their deaths are essentially what makes what keeps us alive. Um, and that's it's so it's not possible to get out of that cycle. And I mean, I came up against this very abruptly when, again, I tried to grow strawberries and other kinds of fruit. And here I thought there were these great vegan foods. And it was like there was no way to do it without applying dead animal products in some way to the roots of those plants. And it was really horrifying. So, yeah, you can just wear out your soil and pretend it's not true, but every year your food will have less nutritional quality and eventually the entire system will collapse on you because it's not a closed loop. So there's that problem. Um, You know, and then the other problem is, of course, that you are in competition with all these other creatures. You know, if you take that land, they can't have it and they want it. So whether it's slugs, whether it's ants, whether it's, you know, aphids, whether it's larger creatures like deer, whether it's bunny rabbits, you got to figure out a way to deal with them. Um, even if you decide not to kill them, you at least have to fence them out in some way. Where are they going to go? I mean, if you've taken that land, that means that there's, you know, one less deer or five less rabbits or two less foxes or whatever that can now live there. And that's just the basic, not even algebra, just arithmetic of being alive. Because I'm alive, these other creatures won't be. And the only way for me to absorb that information was to realize that I had to be incredibly humble, that my life was a gift, a gift from the cosmos, and that we were all taking turns, that we're all part of this tribe called carbon. And eventually, every last molecule of my body would be a gift to those creatures so that they could then have their lives. Um, Otherwise, it just 
it just feels absolutely pointless, meaningless, and just filled with pain and suffering. And I can't live in a universe like that. So the only other way to do it was just to be humble and say, all right, I'm a part of it. So I'll be grateful today. And tomorrow my body is a gift and just participate in the best way that I knew how. But anyway, so that's the moral part. Um, and then the other kinds of vegetarians are the political vegetarians. Mm-hmm. Um, and these, this point of view is that if we all ate a plant-based diet, there would be enough food for everybody on the planet. And that is a really simple view. It has its appeal because it's so simple, but that's not how the political economy works. And it's also an amount of food that's based on vast amounts of fossil fuel. So the only way that we are producing this much grain is because it's being fertilized by cheap oil and cheap gas. That's ultimately where the nitrogen comes from. This planet was pretty well out of topsoil by 1950. All of the major grain-growing regions of the world had been, were just played out. You know, right, all right. of that topsoil was gone. Um, and so for, there should have been a collapse in the human population at that point because that's the pattern of civilization over and over. You blow through your topsoil and then it collapses, mm-hmm. right? And so civilizations last between 800 and 2,000 years because they're based on the destruction of the soil, ultimately. This is what has brought down every single civilization that's ever existed and will bring down ours eventually. Um, so we've been using fossil fuel as kind of a fallback. Um, and what that created starting in about 1950 was this vast mountain of corn in particular. At that point, it made economic sense to take cows off of grass, which is their natural diet, put them in cities, essentially. I mean, they live in urban environments on cement floors uh, and stuff them full of corn because they grow really fat really fast. So you could make meat really cheap, but the cows have horrible lives. It's incredibly destructive on every level and it makes meat that's really awful for human beings. So it's a disaster on every level except profit. Um, So that's why we have factory farming. Iowa is not growing corn in order to feed cows. It's completely backwards. There's this vast mountain of surplus that gets used that way because it's so cheap. Right, right. That's the problem. Now, on a global scale, what happens is all of that surplus gets dumped in poor countries, and they call that agricultural dumping. And what that does is it destroys their local economies and then makes them dependent on rich countries like the United States. So it drives all these sustainable farmers, you know, local subsistence farmers and whatnot, off their land into urban squalor. And then they have to sell their labor really cheaply you know, making sneakers for 10 cents an hour or whatever, you know, horrible conditions there are, and then they have to buy their food. So rather than having a self-sufficient community of people, um, what you've got is essentially serfs to these giant corporations to make cheap goods for rich countries, and now they're dependent for their food on us as well. So it's exactly like when Walmart comes to town and they drive out the local businesses, and now you're stuck having to buy whatever it is you need from this place that you probably hate because it's the only thing left on Main Street, is Walmart. It's the exact same process. Why anybody calls this justice, I don't know, because it's completely corrupt from top to bottom and has only created more hunger the, the world over. Um, true, I mean, the, the solution is that we have to stop agricultural dumping, which means we have to stop giving these vast subsidies to those corporations, because that's the, the only thing that keeps the whole thing running. Um, so I hope that people who care about things like world hunger and justice on a global scale will get that their basic principles applied to food do not mean that poor people should be buying their food from the United States. We should stop destroying their local subsistence economies that let them be self-sufficient. 
because that's the only way to justice. So the political thing completely falls apart once you think about it and once you have a little more information. Um, so that's the political vegetarians. Well, let's take a quick break and we'll come back with the last one. What we eat not only affects our body, but the planet as a whole. And luckily, we're receiving guidance from Lierre Keith, author of The Vegetarian Myth, as well as many other fantastic books and articles. We'll continue getting more great information from Lierre after the break. Learn more at LierreKeith.com. Remember, enter to win the free giveaway each and every month at therightnutritionplan.com. Just look for the quick links to giveaways on the right-hand side. You're listening to Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. Not only can you learn about new and fascinating nutritional products at therightnutritionplan.com, but you can win them too. Every month, The Right Plan features a nutritional or innovative product like the ECO Lunchbox, pumpkin seed butter and pumpkin protein powder, fudge sauce from Wax Orchards, Zorba's handcrafted raw chocolates, coconut oil, and so much more. And every month, one lucky visitor will win the product to try themselves. It's easy to enter. Just visit therightnutritionplan.com slash giveaway. After you've entered the giveaway, check out some of Kelly's delicious recipes that not only will please your taste buds, but your waistline and health as well. At therightnutritionplan.com, you'll learn more about all the wonderful nutritious options that are available to you and your family. Remember, everything has a purpose and a plan. Make it your purpose and the right plan. Rightnutritionplan.com slash giveaway. Here is your opportunity to create a vibrant new you. Join international radio talk show host Kelly Hill and women's natural health coach Michelle Greenman at the Vibrant New You Retreat. This retreat will empower you to make the changes you've been searching for and help lay in the foundation for living the life you want to live, the vibrant you. Located at the beautiful Ashland Springs Resort in Ashland, Oregon, this retreat will help you create a vibrant life by first constructing your perfect plan and setting your vision and creating accountability for yourself. Kelly and Michelle will help you conquer negative self-talk, find positive motivation, and teach you how to create more vibrancy in your life. The Lithia Ashland Springs Resort offers its guests free breakfast each morning, natural mineral waters with soaking tubs, and so much more. For more information about the Vibrant New You Retreat, visit therightnutritionplan.com slash retreat. This wonderful opportunity is only offered to a limited number of people. So visit therightnutritionplan.com slash retreat to reserve your seat today. Want to know the three biggest myths that keep you overweight? Well, now you can in Kelly Hill's free webinar. In just 40 minutes, you'll learn the three biggest nutrition myths that are keeping you overweight, feeling exhausted, and unable to reach your personal goals. The webinar is free, and you'll even get other great freebies that Kelly's clients use daily to reach their goals. It's easy. Visit therightnutritionplan.com slash webinar. That's therightnutritionplan.com slash webinar and sign up. 40 minutes that can change your life and help you find your optimal health. Sign up for the webinar and take the unprocessed challenge today to find the you that you know is there. Everything has a purpose and a plan. Make it your purpose and the right plan. Sign up for Kelly's free webinar today. TheRightNutritionPlan.com slash webinar. That's TheRightNutritionPlan.com slash webinar. This is Eat Well to Live Well with your host, Kelly Hill. Have a question for Kelly? You can email her at eatwelltolivewell at therightnutritionplan.com. Now back to Kelly Hill. 
Welcome back as we continue at Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. I'm your host, Kelly Hill. We continue our discussion about the fallacies of a plant-based diet, feeding the hungry, honoring the animals, and saving the planet with Lierre Keith, author of The Vegetarian Myth. Visit the website at lierrekeith.com for more information. To order her books or find where she'll be speaking, it's all at lierrekeith.com. So we've covered moral vegetarians, political vegetarians, and what about your third one, nutritional vegetarians? The most compelling um, evidence to me about um, the deficiencies of a plant-based diet was looking actually archaeologically, what is the evidence? What happens when people take up agriculture? Um, And what happens is they immediately shrink six inches and their teeth fall out. So clearly, this is not meeting the needs of the human template. And I did find that evidence very compelling when I was finally able emotionally to take a look at it. So there's, there's that problem. Um, and then from there, of course, I did you know, more research into what were the deficiencies. And then on the other hand, um, what are the excesses of a plant-based diet? So the excesses would be sugar. Um, yes. You can call it whole grain, carbohydrate, whatever you want. But at the end of the day, every single one of those complex carbohydrates has to be broken down into simple sugar in your intestines, and then it's absorbed, and then your body has to deal with it. So you have this gigantic rush of sugar, and then you've got this gigantic rush of insulin to drive it out of your bloodstream. The reason being that our brains can only function in a very narrow range of sugar. So anything too low or too high is a biological emergency. And insulin has to step in then and keep you alive. But having that constant flood of insulin in your body just wrecks havoc everywhere. So, of course, eventually your insulin receptors are going to wear out because we were never designed uh, to handle that much insulin in one day. We cannot absorb that much sugar without a constant shock to the system. So you're going to end up with hypoglycemia. You're going to end up with constant high, you know, high blood sugar, low blood sugar, the crash, the exhaustion, the bad mood. And then you, know, you always feel like you have to eat or you're going to fall over. I mean, by the end of my time as a vegan, I had to eat pretty constantly. It was like every 20 minutes not to feel like I was dying um, and that's a true thing. I mean, if your blood sugar is too low, you can pass out and die. The same thing if it's too high. So you do feel like you're dying because it's a biological emergency. So too much sugar is one problem. Another problem, of course, is the omega-6, omega-3 ratio. And this gets a little complicated for people, but you know, we, we need to have both in our diets, omega-6s and omega-3s. Um, they're not that easy to come by in nature, um, but you need a specific ratio of them. Right now, because everyone's been told to eat this, you know, diet that's based on on grain, um, we've got so many omega sixes in our diet. So that's because okay, omega sixes come from plants. Yes. There's there's really aren't many omega threes you're going to find in a plant. They don't need omega threes, so they don't produce them. Animals do. So way too many omega sixes from that plant based diet, and omega sixes are responsible for for inflammation in the diet. So if you have um, too many omega sixes, you're going to end up with things like, you know, heart disease because your blood vessels are inflamed. You're going to end up with things like arthritis. You're going to end up with Alzheimer's. It's um, the high omega sixes are linked just across the board with um, all of these diseases that have become epidemic in the modern era, um, and it's because we're eating this agricultural diet. In fact, the omega threes, which are the, sort of the counterbalance to the omega sixes. Um, we have so little of them now in the American diet that some people's bodies, you can't find any of them when you test. There's just none. I mean, there's just like there's nothing there. 
um, and omega threes are responsible for calming inflammation. Now you need both. You need a little inflammation, right. but you also need inflammation to be calmed. And all we've got is these inflammatory conditions everywhere now uh, because we don't have omega threes. So part of the problem with factory factory farming, I mean, I said that the meat is not really appropriate for humans. That's one of the big reasons. Right, when you right. feed them grain, what happens is there's no omega-3s in their bodies either. So you could eat all the steak you wanted. You would still not get any omega-3s because of the grain feeding. Right, the right. meat has got to be grass-fed. So whether it's chicken or beef or, you know, if it's fish, it has to be wild-caught. They have to be eating the diet they were designed for. And then you will have animal products that have enough omega-3s, then you'll have actually a perfect ratio for humans. Um, so the omega-6s and omega-3s, that's another real problem of excess from eating an agricultural diet. Um, now, on the other side, you have the deficiencies. So from eating a plant-based diet, you're not going to get the fat-soluble uh, vitamins that are absolutely crucial to human health. So vitamin A, vitamin D, um, K2 is also very hard to find in plants. There's a little bit of it, but not a lot. And these vitamins are, I don't know, crucial in so many ways um, for, for human health. And you can't manufacture them. You have to eat them. So a lot of people think, oh, vitamin A, that's like carrots. Well, no, actually. That's pro-vitamin A. That's a precursor to vitamin A. Your body then has to convert it to actual vitamin A. And a lot of us can't do that. Um, and, and those people are called obligate carnivores. And if your genetic background, if your ethnic heritage is a coastal or an island people, so if you're from, say, Ireland or, you know, another coastal area around the globe, you may not be able to do that conversion at all. But even for those of us who can do it, it's, it's hard. It takes something like, you know, 10 to 1, 8 to 1, somewhere in that ratio to actually get enough vitamin A. You really have to eat it. So that's a big problem is, is the fat-soluble vitamins simply don't exist in plant products. Um, another problem is the minerals. You're not going to get uh, enough minerals out of a plant-based diet. Um, meat itself is has 10 times more nutrient-dense than plant products, and that's just the muscle meat. Um, in most traditional cultures, it is, of course, the organ meats that are considered uh, you know, the most sacred foods. And they are, in fact, because they are 10 to 100 times more nutrient-dense than the muscle meat. And it is very bizarre in modern times that the most nutrient-dense sacred food that humans have ever encountered is simply thrown away. We don't eat organ meats in this country. I mean, unless you have, you know, a, a really ethnic grandmother who is still feeding you things like chopped liver or, you know, heart or, you know, kidneys or whatever, we're not eating them. You know, I didn't grow up eating that stuff. Um, I had to learn to do it as a grown-up you know, grown person, and it was not easy because I had never eaten it before. Um, we throw away the good stuff. It's completely insane, totally backwards. So you're not going to get enough minerals. Um, and then another problem with that high sugar diet that comes from eating grain is that every time you eat food that doesn't include enough minerals, it's like borrowing from the bank. You have to take minerals out of your body in order to absorb the food, and then you're not paying it back. Your body assumes, okay, now we've got more food coming in. We'll get minerals to repay you know, what was taken out, and then they don't get them. Your body doesn't get them. Because you're not eating mineral-dense foods. You're only eating plant-based foods, which just don't have that many minerals in them. So that's a real problem. And if you're eating the whole grain version, which is supposed to be the most healthy, the problem with eating whole grains is, you know, one of the problems is that they're seeds, right? And that's what grains are. And the plants come with ways to protect their babies. Every living creature has a way to do that. 
And the way that plants developed to do that is that they have things called anti-nutrients mm -hmm. that are in the seeds. And this is nature's way of saying, you're not going to eat my babies without some consequences. And so they're filled with anti-nutrients. And these are things that, for instance, will suck the minerals out of your body. They will bind to minerals in the digestive tract and take them out with them. And whole grains are filled with these kinds of anti-nutrients. So every time, you know, you're told to eat whole grain bread because it's so good for you. Every time you do that, you're losing minerals. Yeah. You're not getting minerals, right? So minerals, that's another deficiency that's involved in these plant-based diets. And those are the main reasons that people shrink six inches and their teeth fall out. They don't have the vitamin A, the vitamin D, the K2, you know, to build the scaffold upon which the minerals then make healthy teeth and bones. And that's why they're so short. And then over the course of your lifetime, you're not absorbing the minerals that you need to keep healthy teeth and bones. And therefore you end up with all these dental problems. Right, and this right. is why, you know, any medical anthropologist can look at a bone and immediately tell you, was it a hunter gatherer or an agriculturalist? Because the hunter gatherer bones are long and strong and dense and disease free. And the agriculturalist bones are short you know, they're stunted and they're riddled with diseases. Um, just for instance, the rheumatoid arthritis follows the spread of wheat across Europe. So as wheat conquers the continent, right behind it in the ar archaeological record, you find rheumatoid arthritis. Now, that one you cannot miss, you know, when you dig up bones. And um, there it is. People's, you know, their joints are just completely destroyed. And it follows the spread of wheat across Europe. We have to take a short break. Uh, listeners, if you need more information on those properly pre prepared grains, we've covered that before, so go back and, and catch that episode. We've been talking with Lier Keith, author of The Vegetarian Myth. You can find more information at lierkeith.com. Catch this entire show as well, all those past episodes, by downloading the free MP3 from iTunes or listen on my website, therightnutritionplan.com. Or become a member at therightnutritionplan.com. For only a dollar, you'll receive nutrition coaching through weekly videos, recipes, articles, forums, as well as Q&A support, or just sign up to receive free weekly nutrition tips. I just launched a free webinar called The Three Common Myths That Are Keeping You Overweight, Exhausted, and Unable to Reach Your Goals. It's on my website. It's free, and it'll help you understand why and how to start eating nutrient-dense foods, just like Lear's talking to us about, to help you have a positive impact not only on your health, but on our planet as well. We'll be right back with more about the myths of a plant-based diet from Lear Keith. You're listening to Eat Well to Live Well. Cleanse and detoxify your body. 28 Days to Better Health. Using nutrient-dense whole foods is the hot new book written by Kelly Hill. We're inundated daily with toxic compounds in our food, water, air, even our own metabolic process. In this new book, Kelly leads us on that 28-day journey to better health using real, natural food. Experience with over 60 recipes to choose from. This is a cleanse that won't leave you bored. And while your taste buds are happy, you'll benefit from increased energy levels, an improved digestive system, a decrease in food sensitivities and cravings, minimizing aches, pains, and allergies. Begin your 28-day journey to better health and nutrition today by ordering your copy of Cleanse and Detoxify Your Body at therightnutritionplan.com slash book. Everything has a purpose and a plan. Make it your purpose and the right plan. Rightplannutrition.com slash book. 
Want to know the three biggest myths that keep you overweight? Well, now you can in Kelly Hill's free webinar. In just 40 minutes, you'll learn the three biggest nutrition myths that are keeping you overweight, feeling exhausted, and unable to reach your personal goals. The webinar is free, and you'll even get other great freebies that Kelly's clients use daily to reach their goals. It's easy. Visit therightnutritionplan.com slash webinar. That's therightnutritionplan.com slash webinar and sign up. 40 minutes that can change your life and help you find your optimal health. Sign up for the webinar and take the unprocessed challenge today to find the you that you know is there. Everything has a purpose and a plan. Make it your purpose and the right plan. Sign up for Kelly's free webinar today. TheRightNutritionPlan.com slash webinar. That's TheRightNutritionPlan.com slash webinar. You're tuned in to Eat Well to Live Well with your host, Kelly Hill. You can connect with the show by emailing Kelly at EatWellToLiveWell at TheRightNutritionPlan.com. Follow Kelly on Twitter at The Right Plan. Now back to Kelly Hill. Welcome back as we continue at Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. I'm your host, Kelly Hill. Today we've been talking about finding true health for ourselves and the planet with Lear Keith, author of The Vegetarian Myth. Visit her website, learkeith.com, to find out not only all her amazing books, both published and unpublished, but more information, links to resources, and her appearance schedule. Connect with her on Facebook or Twitter at Lear Keith. On this show, we've discussed nutrition, movement, water, stress management, and so much more, but health includes finding our happiness. Next week, we will receive guidance on finding our serenity from Dave Rico, author of The Five Things We Cannot Change and The Happiness We Find by Embracing Them. Uh, we'll find out if one of those five things is our diet. I'm thinking it probably is going to be. So I want, I want to make sure that you know, we've covered a lot of information. And, and one of the things that I think probably is going through some people's mind, if there's someone listening that has chosen a vegetarian diet or, or is a vegan right now, where would you recommend they start researching in order to get some of the facts that you're talking about? I recommend a bunch of different books, and it really depends what the sticking point is for that individual. So if they think that, that doing this is going to be the best thing for their health, I recommend they start with the work of Weston Price and Sally Fallon. I'm sure you've covered this in your show. Oh, yeah. But Nourishing Traditions is, is the go-to for me for that. And because that book will walk you through all the deficiencies of this modern diet we've been told to eat. It's, it's also a cookbook. But more than that is the information about just step-by-step why this diet will fail you as a human being. And if you want to do more research on that, then really just go, to, go and read the original text by Weston A. Price himself. You know, he was a dentist. He traveled the world, documented, um, you know, different cultures that had achieved a, a perfect health status and what they ate and why it, why it mattered. What were the nutrients in those diets, you know? And the macronutrient ratio was different in every culture, of course. You know, what they had access to is going to be really different in the mountains of Switzerland as opposed to the coast of Australia. But there were underlying patterns, and that was what he discovered. And you're not going to get there eating a vegan diet. It's not possible because the most important thing were those fat-soluble vitamins and the minerals. And you can't get those eating an agricultural diet. So that's one place that I start uh, if it's a health concern. There's also a lot of really great books about... um, why 
uh, you know, these high carbohydrate diets are killing people. So anything by, for instance, the protein power doctors, um, Michael and Mary Dan Eads are fabulous. Even, you know, the Atkins stuff is great just to walk you through how blood sugar, you know, the problem with that, with the high carbohydrate diets is there's really accessible information there. Um, a lot of good books by the paleo people that I would recommend, um, like Rob Wolf and, um, oh, Lauren Cordain is fabulous. Um, so that's the nutrition part. And from there, you'll find everything else. You know, you'll find the stuff that works for you. If it's more about the political stuff, why this is um, not going to work as a political program, why this isn't going to save the planet, you need to understand what agriculture is and why it's the most destructive thing that people have done to our earth. And some of the best books on that are by Richard Manning. He wrote a really great book called Against the Grain, which is sort of a history of agriculture. Um, Another great book is by David Montgomery, and it's called Dirt. The Erosion of Civilizations, those will walk you through exactly what the problem is. Um, so those are some, some really good resources as well. Um, yeah, I would start there for people. You don't even have to read my book, I don't care. But <laughs> those are really good books you know, to, to kind of work your way through some of these concepts because I know it's hard at first. Yeah, and I think, I, if, I'll double check, but I think all of those are actually already on my website for linking. So if, if, you're, if you're struggling as a... As a listener, to find them, I'll double check to make sure, but I'm pretty sure all of those are on there because uh, they're all things I totally agree with. I love when I have guests <laughs> that I totally agree with. Uh, today, we've talked about the fallacies of a plant-based diet, how this affects our food system, justice, and sustainability of the planet, thanks to Lear Keith, author of The Vegetarian Myth. It's a lot to absorb today, I know, and we we may have just put into question some of your di- dietary practices. But remember, if you bristled, even a little today, then I challenge you to pick up a book and start thinking about the politics of food. Uh, of course, the one that I personally recommend, and the reason Lear's here, is The Vegetarian Myth. But you, you, she gave you some great options. Pick the one that's going to get you started thinking about your choices. Visit LearKeith.com to find more information or connect with her on Facebook and Twitter at LearKeith. Thank you so much for joining us today. Kelly, thanks for having me, and thanks for all your good work. Oh, thank you. It, we're, we're getting the word out there. It's slow, and, but we're, we'll make it. So, Remember, listeners, you can receive nutrition tips each week for free by signing up at therightnutritionplan.com. Try a membership for just a dollar and receive nutrition coaching through weekly cooking videos, recipes, articles, forums, as well as Q&A support. Or check out the new free webinar, The Three Common Myths That Are Keeping You Overweight, Exhausted, and Unable to Reach Your Goals. And don't forget to sign up to win your own Squatty Potty Echo at therightnutritionplan.com. Just look for the quick link to giveaways on the right-hand side. It's all at therightnutritionplan.com. In fact, next month, uh, U.S. Wellness Meats will be a sponsor. So if you're not sure about that grass-fed meat idea that she was talking about, we're going to cover that. We'll be coming back to that shortly. If you missed any part of the show, download the free MP3 at iTunes or listen on my website, therightnutritionplan.com. Thank you again to Lear Keith, author of The Vegetarian Myth, for joining us today and tackling a very controversial topic. Visit her website, learkeith.com, to find more information, including her books and articles, resource links, and appearance schedule. Next week, we'll learn how to find our ultimate happiness by embracing the things we cannot change with Dave Rico. As always, when you eat well, you live well. So join me every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific for Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. See you next week.
Thank you for being a part of our show today. Live well to eat well with Kelly Hill. You can listen to the program live every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Everything you eat has a purpose and a plan. Make it your purpose and the right plan. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.